Great, you know, you look. I should be, I should be wearing a morning chalk up T-shirt. I don't have one, so we need to solve this somehow. That we'll get you one sent out right away. I, I feel like, I feel like we're we're rocking like the same look right now. We got this kind of short, yeah. you know, high and tight hair, a little bit of this beard going on. Say, yeah. you know, I'm like the American, I'm like the U.S. counterpart to you right now. Like you look great. I, it's in I, the glasses. Think I think you're incredibly handsome. I think you look great. You no, know, I feel, <laughs> I feel. Yeah, I feel I feel lucky. No, I should Super yeah. Cool. I should I should put some books on my background, you know that you know um, as I mentioned, yeah. you know your your house look house look way better than mine, but I'll you know I can work on that. Sophisticated look, you know, like the you know the young you know mid thirties bachelor trying to be you know fresh mahogany, uh, <laughs> you know sort of look. <laughs> Except nobody can come over right now, but whatever. No. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Justin. I mean, I have a, a few questions for you. I'm super interested. You know, I'm very excited to talk to you. You're you're, uh, you're one of those interesting characters in the sport and in the world. But, you know, I, I've I've been told you're not only the guru with morning chalk up, but you're also you're also a climber. Do you climb? I am. And, yes. I, and I, I do. I've I've also seen on your Instagram. I mean, you do some serious climbing. But you know, yeah. what is it that what is it that you climb? And what does what does climbing do for you? Yeah, so um, there's a couple things. It's it's kind of like a number one. It's expression of fitness, right? So you know we do CrossFit so that we can drop of a hat outside of something extreme like uh, you know an ultra marathon or an Ironman. You know which you got to kind of train for a drop of a hat. I can pretty much go and climb any mountain in the United States, um, and and even a lot globally. Uh, you know, acclimatization aside, you know for the altitude, um, I'm physically prepared. You know, I'm ready. And so that GPP that CrossFit gives you, it's a great way to express that. And I love the outdoors. And um, I wanted to spend more time outdoors. So I primarily do mountaineering. And mountaineering is more like mixed modal climbing, which is, you know, sometimes rock, a ton of snow and mm -hmm. ice. And so glaciers and big snow-capped peaks and stuff like that you see in mountain ranges, that's usually where I'm heading out to. But I also do rock climbing. And I'm actually heading out uh, in exactly a week to go climb rock um, up in the mountains and then up in a famous area here in Southern California called Joshua Tree. So I like doing that and uh, it's a great way to use my fitness, but also, um, you know, when you're sitting up there at the top of a mountain and you, uh, you, you, you slept up there in, in the snow and then you look out in the morning and the, and the sunrise is coming out, you're just like, man, dude, you, just, you can't, you can't just, you can't buy this sunset. You got to earn it. And, or this yeah. sunrise, you got to earn it. And that's really cool. Does it have to do with, the fact, because I think of you, and I think of someone super connected. Like, I mean, you're, you're basically. Yeah. I'm sure you're aware of everything that's going on in the world, of, obviously in the world of CrossFit in our sport. But pretty much, I mean, I, I think of you as someone very connected. Does, does your, you know, your love of climbing have to do with the fact that you're out there, up in the altitude, you disconnect completely? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I come from, you know, my, my background was politics and um, in Washington, D.C. So, I mean, it, it's it's message alerts all the time, constantly bombarded with information. And I took that kind of natural tendency that I have to just be in the in the muck and in the middle of things to CrossFit when I started Morning Truck Up. So 
my love of the outdoors stems from just number one, nature is beautiful and just enjoying, you know, just this beautiful creation we got around us and stuff and just loving that. But then also I'm, I'm pretty much unreachable. <laughs> that's, that's not the <laughs> it either. Cause I like, I like that solace for myself personally. You know, everybody needs to be able to recharge um, in their own way. And it, this for me is, is, is awesome. I get to go work out, get my butt kicked up in the mountains, but then also it's just, um, it's just quiet. It's just peaceful. You know, there's nowhere to go but up. Is it something you do, do you do it alone? Is it something you do alone or you, you bring a, a, a buddy with you? I have a climbing group, um, experienced climbers that we all go to are all mountaineers. Um, and we met climbing other mountains and just kind of, um, fell into, fell in and we're all have been really willing to, you know, for climbing, you got to travel, you know, very rarely are you like, 90 minutes from a, from a major uh, climbing objective. So we all travel and we're willing to travel. And, you know, what's great about my job is I can do a couple uh, days of work while kind of bookending this trip. And um, then we can go climb. So I've, I've met about, we have a, we have a team of climbers, four of us total. Um, they've all climbed internationally and um, some in the Himalayas, South America and the largest peaks in South America, or largest peaks in Europe. Um, oh. and the, some of the big peaks here in the United States. And, um, you know, I'm sort of slowly coming along and I've climbed a lot in the, the West coast of, of, of the U S which, which houses a lot of major mountains, a lot of major objectives. Mm -hmm. Um, they've been a great experience group to kind of show me the ropes and, uh, that's been cool. And that's been really fun. I, fi I find it fascinating. I think, I feel like we all have our own formulas, right? I mean, I think once you get in touch with fitness and the joy that it brings and how, you know how, how good it is for for you then you find your little formula apart from climbing do you do anything else of course you do crossfit but I is there anything <laughs> is there anything is is there anything else you you, you um, do like i mean i read a ton like if it, like i i am at my best when i read for a minimum of an hour a day mm -hmm. like i will read sometimes somewhere back here or maybe yeah. up in my room or outside you know if it's really nice out um i i like to read classical lit so or you know classical lit philosophy or history i will read those um i'm on i think i finished 13 books between like in covid so far easily <laughs> um and uh, just classical ones. i have a list here um, I read the Lord of the Rings. I read some classic American short story literature. I read some Transylvanian literature, um, English patient, Peter Pan, which I'd actually never read. Great expectations. Cool. That's, uh, that's, um, uh, why am I blanking? I should know this. Charles Dickens, uh, a nice classical Italian literature book, yeah, Vinci Cartier yeah, yeah. Gardens, uh, Charterhouse of Parma. That's a good book. That's, uh, that's another Italian, uh, lit book. So I like to read it all. Um, and that, that like helps me like drown out everything else. Like I usually yeah. put my phone away and I just kind of like, look, you know, it, that's entertainment for me. I'd rather do that than watch TV any day. hundred yeah, percent. It's, uh, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, I think we all have our own ways and you know, once you find it, you just stick to it and you don't have to sort of, um, agree with anybody else. And, uh, yeah. let, let, let's get, let's get to CrossFit. I mean, how do, you know, you're, you're become this guru. I mean, you know. I think of Justin LaFranco and I think of, you know, the voice of the, sort of the media of CrossFit at this point. And, but, <laughs> but yeah, but let, let, we'll, we'll get, to, we'll get to it later. I mean, it's fascinating what Morning Chalk Cup has become and how it started. It, it's incredibly fascinating. And I'm, I'm going to ask you a few questions regarding that, but I'm also interested in, in, you know, getting to know your, your CrossFit story, you know, you know, how did, how did you start and, and when and how and who with who? Totally. Yeah. That one, that one's a, uh... 
I think, well, I think it's a little atypical. I was, um, I was in college, uh, Southern California. Um, I was here, um, and a guy lived right next to me and we used to work out together all the time, go to the college gym and, you know, pumping iron, doing classical weight training type stuff, squats, bench press and, you know, whatever. And uh, he started doing this CrossFit thing. You know, he started talking about all this, you know, we had this group of folks, he, he played baseball and um, we started talking about it and he's like, oh, this CrossFit thing, you know I mean? We just, you just need a couple kettlebells and some of this or that or whatever. I don't really remember what he said, but we were all kind of like, whatever, dude. <laughs> like that's, that's cute. That's cute, Matt. And, um, and, uh, so I did a workout with him. I did Helen and, um, totally jacked me up of course. And, um, yeah. you know, couldn't really even, I don't even think I completed it as prescribed. I mean, the kettlebell swings were whatever the pull-ups though, you were just like, you know, you get to like the second round and you're like, uh. you don't even know how to kip, but you're trying everything you can to get up there. And I'm pretty sure half of them, my chin didn't even get there. They're like, <laughs> eh, 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 eh. you know, like it wasn't getting there. So I don't really remember all the details, but I just remembered that it, it kicked my butt. And I was kind of like, you know, this is cool, but like, I really like my, my, my lifting and my running on the track, whatever thingy I'm doing over mm -hmm. here. And this was in 2006. So this was really kind of very early, you know, the game. Oh, early. Started. So, um, yeah, so this this was pretty early. I graduated OG in stuff. Still wasn't doing CrossFit. He was though, and he was um, you know, loving it and kind of getting involved. And he he sort of figured out that he wanted to be a coach and a trainer early mm -hmm. on and stuff. And 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 he graduated a year after me, but I moved off to Washington DC. All right, fast forward 2010 rolls around. I see this guy with photos uh competing at sectionals. And uh, the precursor to regionals, precursor to sanctionals. Uh, and so he's doing sectionals. And I was like, damn, that's badass. It's like, what the, what is that thing? And I didn't, I did, I mean, I already knew what it was. I knew it was CrossFit. I was like, I got to get into that. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, so it was actually the sport that drew me in because I just saw like him doing some stuff that looks super badass. I was like, I want to do that. And um, so I started training myself, uh, kind of cherry picking from different sites that are out there com obviously but then some other famous gyms in the neighborhood district crossfit was an old gym tried it outlaw crossfit was in the neighborhood of washington dc and i went into the uh gym in the house of representatives we have a little gym uh underground inside of congress and uh i started doing thrusters and uh burpees you know uh, in congress like a weirdo in 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 the in the uh yeah in the in the congressional gym, gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh you know doing helen on a treadmill uh, you know, doing pull-ups on one of those, you know, weird looking bars that they have there between the massive machines and stuff like that. And, uh, I just, for about a year and a half, I just started doing CrossFit on my own as many days as I could. I don't think the intensity was completely there. The definitely the form wasn't completely there, but the heart was there a lot of heart. And, uh, I started doing it on my own. And then I, I kind of was like, you know, I, 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 as I was looking at more of the media that was coming out and things that were shared, I was like, you know, I know it doesn't look like that, and yeah. I think I need some help. And so I walked into District CrossFit three days after the 2012 presidential election because I was working in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been I'm an affiliate ever since. And I actually now go to the same affiliate of Matt who showed me CrossFit when I was in college. Oh, that's, a, that's a cool story. 25 miles away from my house now. Um, I go there. I pass like 15 gyms on the way, but I'm like, 
I'm going. I'm going uh, uh, to Matt's gym because uh, you know he's a, he's an old friend and, and he has a great great spot in Huntington Beach. So um, yeah, circuitous effect. Um, but I got there and that was uh, ten years ago that I yes. officially started doing CrossFit on a regular basis on my own, um, and that's been a cool journey to see. Sound it sounds sounds incredible. I mean I. I love hearing the stories and, and, and how it impacts and changes the lives of people. And But I'm also interested in, because you now you started CrossFit, and as you mentioned, you went to work in politics, and then you sort of, you came back to CrossFit. Let's stop for a second in, in you know, in that politics thing, you know, because I have no idea what th that is, the world, but maybe, maybe not so much on what you're doing. I mean, by all means, tell us what you were doing, but if you're bored about talking about this, then by all means, just, just. Oh, yeah. But, But what what is it that you were doing in Congress and in in, in politics and in Washington D.C. you know playing for the biggest leagues in the world? Yeah, so so basically, um, I was in comms, so comms communications press, you know that media environment. I was I was not um, a journalist. I wasn't working in the, for media companies. I was working for a member of Congress. I worked for a member of Congress, congressional committee, House leadership, uh, uh, two presidential candidates, and. Um, and then one of the parties. And I basically always did media. So I was sometimes handling direct questions from press and from media. Uh, I was doing a lot of writing and drafting of press releases. I was managing the social channels for elected officials. Um, and, uh, you know, crafting messages and coming mm -hmm. up with uh, ways of, of talking about the work that we're doing in Congress and how it's serving the people back home, all those kinds of things. So I was in media. Um, I didn't start there. I started, you know, every, like everybody who comes to Congress that isn't senior, they start at the bottom and they usually take a position called staff assistant. And that's just basically like a answer the phone, manage the interns, run around doing other things, write briefings for the legislative staff, do research for whoever wants it, sit in meetings and get yelled at, go get coffee, fail a lot. Maybe you stick around and get your promotion eventually to either what's called a legislative correspondent Um, that's, that's kind of more, uh, if you're going to go into a policy or legislative track or something called a press assistant, which is if you're going to go in the press and communications realm. And that's the realm that I went to and, um, you know, eventually made that a huge part of my career and, uh, you know, got to the point where I was running and executing digital strategy at a very high level. Um, and so my, my area of focus primarily digital. It was not mm -hmm. as much traditional press, like a press secretary would be, uh, mine was more digital comms and setting digital strategy, um, you know, signing of petitions and engaging uh, voters online and how to build grassroots coalitions online and then how to do email fundraising and then how to do messaging on social media channels and how to use uh, visual storytelling components like video and design to help do that, all of that together. So uh, very, very uh, uh, stressful. Um, I drank a lot of coffee. Uh, 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 my last job, I worked seven days a week for nine months because uh, I was on a campaign. And uh, I pulled more than one 24-hour session, uh, and um, now I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was gonna I was gonna ask you like, you know, how many hours were you working? But because I think of that world, and I think of crazy. I think of insane. Yeah, it's, it's mental. No, I mean, I, I like, but it's it, it's mental, and it's also like, remember, like the first part of this conversation, you're like, I imagine you as somebody that's like really connected, and it's like, well, imagine that person goes to this kind of playground and they're like, oh, wow, kid in a candy store. Like that was yeah. me, kid in a candy store. Um, and so, you know, I liked it. I still like it. 
Like, mm -hmm. I just kind of know I like some other things a little bit more. But every now and then, I'm like, I get into the fray, or like when we get into CrossFit Games mode, I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, yeah, let's do this. All right, I'm taking the ship over again, and we're gonna. This is how we're gonna do it. We're executing like this, and these are the lanes. And this is, you know, pay attention to these signals. Who's on the phone with these guys? Like, I love that stuff. I like being in the war room. I've always liked it. It's always been super fun for me, and you know, because I'm like super type A, high intensity personality that like ADD, like loves like having like three, four televisions on at once. And I'm like, oh, turn up that one. That one's going like, that's me. And so, yeah, it is stressful, but for the right kind of person, they yeah, they can thrive in it. Um, it can also be pretty self-destructive too, though. So you have to kind of have a balance there and you can run yourself into the ground pretty fast uh, if you're not careful. So, you know, give yeah, it. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of both. I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, I think we've been super lucky to get like someone like you in the sport. because you know, it definitely that's something that we needed, like that level of intensity and knowledge. But of course, <laughs> then he, but then he changed that to start morning chalk up, right? I mean, why leaving all that behind and starting a, a morning newsletter? I mean, you're yeah. going to tell us exactly what morning chalk up is, but you know, why leaving that world behind? So, uh, really kind of simple. I was on a campaign. I was working for the governor of Wisconsin. He was running for president uh, against Donald Trump, actually, and lost, you know, I mean, uh, like everybody else on the Republican side did. And so I was like, you know, like I had I had offers to go to other campaigns and I had opportunities to go back to Washington, D.C. and and, you know, kind of level up, which is usually what happens. If you take a big job out on a campaign, you get a lot more eyeballs and visibility. And people were like, oh, let's hire that guy. He's, you know, look yeah. what he just did. He lost, but he was important in the campaign mm -hmm. where he lost. We call that failing up, by the way. Um, <laughs> Interesting concept. Like, My guy lost, but I'm getting a promotion. So yeah, because I did a great job that he lost. Never um, heard it before. I'm, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it down. It's called failing up. It's, 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 it's when you, you know, your ship sinks, but you were important in the ship. <laughs> so you get a promotion, but you were so important during the ship sinking that yeah. you were a part of the sink but you still yeah. get a promotion. So it's called failing up. Uh, anyways, that's just Very kind of like a colloquialism. Um, so I went and uh, I was like, you know what? Look, I haven't had a break in seven years. Like I've done this camp campaign after Congress, after campaign again, Congress. And you're just like, I need some time. So, so I'd saved up a bunch of money and I took it and I went to Italy and I worked on a farm and I traveled around. It was, I was in Barcelona. It's the first time I went to Barcelona. Actually I had a buddy that I knew from CrossFit in Washington, DC who'd moved there. And, cool. uh, you know, uh, Johnny, uh, John, he runs Rockstar. Really? Yeah. Cool. John, He's uh, uh, amazing Bowell. guy. God, yeah. Oh, my God. He's the sweetest guy you'll ever meet. I'm, John, yeah. you're the best. Yeah, he I'm, 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 I'm going to text him right away after this. He is. He's, he's, he's amazing. So I went and stayed with him and uh, with uh, Flores, him and Flores. Yes. That, that's Flores. how I met them. And, I, and this was this was in 2015. Um. And I was like, hey, uh, you know, I was talking to him. I'm like, hey, I'm in Italy right now. I'm working on a farm. Um, <laughs> kind of thinking about traveling a little bit. He's like, bro, come to Barcelona. You're going to love it. And I was like, done. I've always wanted to go to Barcelona. It's like, um, I'll, get, I'll find a plane flight and I'll see you in a couple of weeks, whatever. So I went there. I went to England. I went to Norway. Um, and uh, then I came home two days before Christmas. And I was like, hey, cool. Let's um, let's figure out what the heck I'm going to do now. And uh You know, we have the genesis of the morning chalk up is not original. Okay, in politics in in the United States, we have 
newsletters that start our morning. So when we wake up at four, five, six, seven, or whatever time we wake up in the morning, we have two, three, four newsletters that hit your inbox that are telling you everything that you need to know to start your day, to kick off your morning. Basically, um, the most prominent one and the most successful of them was called Playbook. And mm-hmm. it was meant for political insiders and people in and around the Washington Beltway area who were working and existed inside of politics. So it was a lot of inside baseball. It's the kind of thing that few people outside of DC would be really interested. But if you're a hardcore political junkie, you know, and you want to know, you know, what time a committee hearing is going to be and, 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 and kind of what is being heard inside of the, uh, uh, halls of Congress and sort of things and like the behind the scenes elements and stuff yeah, you'd want yeah. to see this. And so I took that concept and I applied that to CrossFit. I was like, there's so much going around globally here, not just here. I mean, not just about the games, but about the community of CrossFit, about this part of CrossFit, et cetera. I was like, we could put that all together into a place and we could start to make an impact by shaping the news media landscape into a cohesive location every single day. And we could do that. Um, and I think that there could be a need for that. I don't see, there's nothing out there that's like that. And let's take that and then let's continue to grow that and execute it. So that, that idea actually wasn't my own. It just came, I just applied something that I learned and I read these for years in politics. I still read them today. And now there's a whole industry around newsletters um, that didn't exist prior, uh, but it was kind of inspired and started by that very concept that started in Washington DC and stuff. And um, so I took that and I said, hey, I love CrossFit. I love the media landscape. I'm just going to put them together and I'm going to do something that nobody's done in CrossFit before, which is start a morning newsletter and then grow that into a multimedia company. And um, that that's it. It was it was pretty basic. And I just committed to doing it. I wrote it seven days a week by myself. And then I pared it down to five uh, after a couple of months. And I was the sole exclusive writer for two years of that newsletter. Wow. I wrote every single edition, every single week, every single day. Wow. It was a lot of writing. It's a lot of writing, a lot of commitment, and you know, I mean, yeah. you're you you're used to the hours. You you were probably used to the hours, the working hours, but you know, I guess it was a it was still a challenge to be there writing all day. It's a huge challenge. Um, honestly, like at the beginning, you know, it was almost an impossible challenge because you're you're starving for information. But once later on, you know, we started getting more people sharing things with us, and more people sharing things with us, and our connections and our web grew, and so we were able to really like actually. Um, you know, find out information really well. And now, now our connections are, are all across the CrossFit industry. And so yeah. information is a little easier to come by, whereas before, like nobody, nobody knew who we were, so nobody sent anything. And uh, yeah. now we get tips all the time from, from all across the globe about things that are happening inside of gyms and fundraisers and competitions and community events, et cetera. So it makes yeah. the job a little bit easier. I wish I had that on day one, but, you know, yeah. it's cool. starting it's, from scratch, it's, right? Yeah, I mean, this was exactly what you still have to, you know, you still have to do it as well as you guys do it. So you've earned every bit of success you're, you're, you, you guys are enjoying. But this was my next question. I mean, how do you get such a huge amount of information? I mean, you, you, just, you were just mentioning that now you get a lot of people contacting yeah. you, but you still have to be, have the resources to actually have a, a thousand dialogues. I mean, how do you guys yeah. manage and, and get all that information? Well, so we have a pretty broad staff, you know, that we, so we assign out t- there's two different co- components to the newsletter. Number one is is story writing, and one is aggregation. So we find out about something that no one's written about before, and we put it together, and that's the story creation process, and we have writers to do that. And so there are two two editors, and one, one's myself, the other one is Joe, our manage, senior managing editor, 
And um, so we can assign those stories out to one of our writers. And, you know, they have their beats and their, their specialties that they work on. And then the other is kind of like aggregation. So we're taking a look at like all the tips, emails that we get, you know, all of the responses, all of the tags on social media and being like, oh, we could like, we should amplify this. More people should know about this. Let's put this up there. Let's get this out there. And so it just requires like, I was, I, the metaphor I use is like being a sponge. You just, you, you need to like soak up around you what is happening and pay really close attention to what is happening. Being super in tune to what people are talking about and you know what they're saying, why they're saying it, where they're saying it, and and what sort of is the pulse. That's like almost a skill that de develops over time. I developed that skill when I worked in politics because that's like necessary to really be plugged in. And so that's a skill that I'm teaching Joe and others is to like be observant. Like don't just let something pass over your head just because you heard it in one ear out the next. It's like oh in that ear and you're like oh and this what this is how we can use this for morning track up. This is how we can you know, elevate the conversation or we can share something with the community that, that, that allows them to, Hey, if you want to know more about it, here you go. Like that's part of the service that we provide, which is just giving mm -hmm. people a place to find out more information. So we send everything to tips, tips at morningchalkup.com. It's the email address I created five years ago. It's the same email address we use today because that's the one place where we know that people can always remember it and they can always send it to us and they'll get a response every time. So, um, if you know funnels like you have to have like a very tight funnel if you're going to have a lot yeah. of information otherwise you're like what happened over here what happened over here what happened over yeah, here yeah. what happened you're like and then that grows right because it gets bigger as your channels get wider and you have mm -hmm. more touch points with people you need to say everybody it's like a discipline like you know nobody sends anything anywhere but tips that's the only place because if you're out of the office or you're out of pocket or justin's climbing a mountain people can't send it to justin because then i'm not going to get no one's going to get it you got to send it to tips. So being really disciplined and having a singular funnel to, to receive information was like yeah. critical. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super interesting. I mean, it, there, I can't imagine like the amount of inv information you guys deal with. And I'm sure we could talk for, for hours about how, uh, understanding how you do it so that we can apply it to our own little lives. Maybe I'll do, we're going we're to have to have a, a second conversation and you yeah. we'll focus on, on, on that. But but let me let me go deeper into into the conversation. Of course, you guys have become perhaps the you know the the information source, and yeah. you know it's. But how important? Because back in the days, CrossFit did have a, a media department. Yeah. You know they, and then and it doesn't exist anymore, or or at least I don't even know if they exist. You know I don't even know what they do. I mean it's not. I I I wait for the morning chalk up, and I and I go to your Instagram and your, and I, I really do. I mean, and I even get like partners of mine, friends of mine sending me the, the news that sometimes I, I haven't read, I haven't read them yet, but I get them on a WhatsApp. Have you, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And it's always morning chalk up, but how important is it? The fact that CrossFit is not doing the job as well as probably they should. Um, well, it's in a transitionary period. So back in the day, I think that CrossFit really did need to, to, to be the preeminent news publication because they're a nation they're they're a beginning sport you know they they're at the the founding stages as a sport as an organization crossfit does need to be out there though doing the doing the work on the behalf of the affiliates to market crossfit market crossfit's effectiveness market crossfit's accessibility and mm -hmm. its acceptability for all diverse peoples not only in not, not only in cultures and colors but also in body types right adaptive or overweight populations that have been neglected like that's crossfit you know if you're talking about a place where you're going to get cheered on 
being an overweight person, working out in the gym, CrossFit is definitely the place to go. Big box gym is not the place to go. You are not going to receive that in 99.9% of gyms. So CrossFit needs to be out there telling that story 100%. And they never should have stopped. What they did is they kind of cut off their nose to spite their face, which is they lost their ability to do good, compelling storytelling, which helps each gym that is out there. Because, you know, you might be in Spain and you see something that your a buddy shared from CrossFit about somebody that looks just like them. They're not going to look for a gym in the United States. They're going to look for a gym in Barcelona. Correct. Right? So that helps the global community. So they stopped doing that. So that is super critical. That is mm-hmm. 100% super critical. But that's called marketing. That's not, that's not being a news organization. You know, and, and so I don't really consider CrossFit's media department to be a news organization. I consider them to be – that's marketing for them. And that is mm-hmm. critical. And they should double and triple down on doing that because if, if Rosa wants to get 2x – the amount of gyms globally and add a 10,000 10, gyms that are not in the United States, he's going to need to double and triple down on that. And he's going to need to do it language specific. They need to focus on making sure that the stuff that's put out in English has subtitles loaded into their video components on their social channels. And they also need to make sure that they're hiring people overseas, not just in Western Europe, but also in other countries in Asia and South America that are going to be doing content that speaks to those audiences. You're not going to grow something in Brazil with a Chinese guy in Beijing. You're going to grow it with a Brazilian. You're going to grow it with somebody that looks like him, that works out in a place like him, and that's showing them how they can change their lives. So I think that's super critical. They can't stop doing that. Um, But when it comes to, like, media and stuff and, like, telling the story of the CrossFit Games, I think that's where CrossFit needs to be. They need to tell the story of the CrossFit Games, but I don't think that they're going to come up there and be analysts for CrossFit any longer. They're not going to be out there and being the experts in the sport that are digesting what's happening and talking about, you know, prognosticating or talking about, you know, the ways that, like, you know, pathway to victory and and doing, you know, line by line analysis on stati- uh, excuse me, statistics and, and and other components like that. They just that's just not CrossFit anymore. I don't really think they need to be. Um and I think there's other people that want to do that, not just ourselves. There's a lot of other places out there that are trying to get involved, and they should be encouraged, and they should open the doors, continue continue keeping the doors open for them across all languages. That's just going to be a much better strategy for CrossFit. Mm-hmm. That's, um, you know, yeah, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, you guys have done – have started to, to create content in different languages. And is, is yes. that something that you're going to continue doing and something that you're you – know, it's, it's definitely part of your vision? Like, absolutely. So, so we started in Portuguese, uh, Brazilian Portuguese. Um, we are probably going to do Spanish. Um, mm-hmm. And we, tried, we started with Portuguese because we had somebody who was really interested and wanted to do it and was committed to doing it for, for um, you know, regularly and taking a couple pieces each week. And we're trying to now refine how we do it and speed up the translation process to kind of get it closer to um, real time and deciding how we want to do it. And so, we, it, it, you know, it becomes like a little bit more of a challenge when you're like, when news is produced real time, you know, or yeah. relatively real time, you're also kind of like dealing with the time zone. So you're like, Hey, can you translate this? It's going to come out tomorrow. We kind of need this in like 90 minutes or an hour or two hours or max. And they're in a different time zone. So trying to figure out how to streamline that and get it all done. And also the web components to having multiple language stories and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, we try and figure out my mission, my posture and mission has always been what are other people not doing? 
It's not so that we do new things. It's so that we solve a problem. So if the problem is accessibility to information, CrossFit used to publish in multiple languages, and then they stopped. Now they're publishing in multiple languages again. And, you know, we started doing this six months ago. And because we're like, no, we can do that. And we can put it out on social. We can share it. We can get information that's critical to the community more accessible. And that's important and stuff. And, and so we always look at new things in that, in that way. Um, you know, we would probably pick, you know, if, if we had to pick languages, it would be, it would be Spanish. Uh, it would be, well, we're already doing Portuguese um, cool. and it'd probably be Chinese. Um, but we don't, we don't know how we're going to display all that on the, on the, on the site yet. So we don't, we don't want to necessarily create Spanish versions and Portuguese versions on our site. Um, so we're, we've been, we've been balancing it out and sort of experimenting. Exciting. Exciting. Looking forward to, to hear more and, um, you know, and definitely the, the work you're doing in English. I'm sure there's a ton of people in, in, in China and in, and in Spain and every Spanish speaking country that yeah. are, would, would greatly enjoy, um, your content basically. And, uh, you know, going back, going back to CrossFit, I mean, you, you've tackled a bit on, on, on Eric Rose as the new, the new guy. I mean, we don't know about much about him. Do you know more? And do you think he's the man to, to lead CrossFit into the future? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's got a, a much more clear uh, vision for growth. Um, you know, Greg wasn't a guy that grew by accident, but he wasn't exactly, he didn't have exactly have a pro like a growth mindset numerically where he was looking at these numbers specifically, you know, grow, you know, it had its trends and its high growth periods it wasn't by accident. There was concerted effort there, but it wasn't like a setting a specific benchmark and meeting that benchmark and exceeding it and then resetting a new benchmark year over year. He wasn't a guy that was motivated that way. He wanted to build this great global community of friends around fitness more mm -hmm. than a more than a fitness empire. And, you know, Greg always like he, you know, he, you know. The wealth of the company, you know, he always loved the fact that it was there, but that wasn't the driving force for him. He wasn't motivated by money in that kind of way. Not because Eric Rose is motivated by money, but he's looking at the bottom line in a much different way. So he says a lot more business oriented approach to how CrossFit as an organization is going to succeed in the future. That's been very clear from the decisions that he's made so far. Um, the individuals that he's hired around him, he has a core group of executive, I call them executive leadership team that's surrounding uh, Rosa that's giving him advice across all sorts of different components, not just, oh, here's game staff over here. Here's affiliate staff over here. It's like, no, no, no. There's a whole different playing field above here that's talking about revenue streams, opportunities, app development, direct to consumer technology. How do we develop that and incorporate that into what we're doing in our core messaging stream? What is our core message? You know, he has a comms director now. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so and so I think that I think that the moves that he's made early on so far are very positive. And I think that there's a lot of faith in the community for Rosa and what he can do on a business side. Um, and and so I think I think, you know, what he said, what he's done so far, those are very, very good things. Now, um, you got to stop the bleeding a little bit still you know, from the affiliation side. We're about to go into, you know, another covid winter, which is colder temperatures yeah. across Europe in North America. Um, we're seeing a lot of rises in more cases. We're seeing some gyms that closed down. I mean, San Francisco CrossFit's bit first CrossFit gym in San Francisco closed down. Well, after 15 well, years, you know, I, I mean, it's, uh, that's yeah, going to happen. Yeah. And what so, is, I mean, you, you know, more, you probably know a lot of, and you hear a, a lot from, from owners and affiliates. What is the, what is the real situation? I mean, is San Francisco CrossFit just, 
something that just happened it's, and it's not going to happen anywhere else, or is it going to be something that we're going to see again? I think it's slightly a harbinger of, of, of things to come. They've A lot of gyms have been holding on for a long time. They figured out a way to make it work for a while. You know, there was total closures for like three months plus. Then things opened up and they could work out outside or they could work out with limitations, either number limitations or they had cleaning requirements, et cetera. Now we're going, nobody can work out outside in a lot of parts of the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. It's just getting too cold. We're in the middle, we're, we're the 5th of, of November right now. You know, maybe one day it's okay, maybe in the afternoon class, but not at the 5 a.m. class. No way. It's going to be way too cold. You're talking like, you know, low 40s, upper 30s, you know, five, six degrees centigrade max. And, you know, it's just not going to get people working out there. So, how, you know, and you've been cutting, you've been cutting costs and, and, you know, maybe deferring some payments. And that adds up. That pressure builds and mounts and builds and continues to get higher and higher. And so eventually you have an, an owner that just says, look, we hung on as long as we can, but we're about to go back dark again. And yeah. we're going to try maybe to do Zoom classes, but, you know, um, you know, people aren't excited about working out in their own garages now where it's really cold in the wintertime too, you know, and they can't really use weights indoors because for obvious reasons, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so now I think we're going to have a lot of complications. So when I say, we're, you know, Rosa still has to stop the bleeding, we're not out of this yet. Um, I'm not – preaching doom and gloom, but there are complications and gym owners are going to find solutions to these complications. They are, but not every single one of them is. And so, you know, if we're looking to the bright side of Rose's leadership, how do we add five, how do we go from where we're at right now, which is low 14,000s, mm-hmm. you know, at the height of CrossFit's affiliation, it's 15.5. So we're still 14, 1400 down from where the height of the affiliation was. If we're going to go net five to 19 or 20,000 locations, man, I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not saying it can't be done, but there's going to be a lot of hard work that's going to have to happen in order mm-hmm. to grow and get people to invest financially and get excited about opening a new affiliate. And primarily that's going to happen overseas. Uh, I don't think the United States is really, um, I think it's kind of tapped in the marketplace. doesn't mean you can't add another two, three, four, five hundred, but, um, but I mean, there are 6,000, 700, 800 gyms here in the United States. It's pretty that's well saturated marketplace. A ton. Yeah. Yeah. And, have, have you seen any any just to try and find some positive uh, landscape? Have you seen anybody doing something uh, mm. well during the COVID period that you know we could tell our our, our friends to to see? Um, well, we've seen a lot of different trends emerge. You know, we've written about a lot of these different trends. Emily Beers, uh, one of our writers, if you go to our site and look for Emily Beers and look back yeah. at some of the stories that she's written, a lot of great pieces about some of the trends that have been getting set there. There, there were a lot of things that people preached pre-COVID, which is like, why do you have dead time? You know, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? And we're seeing a whole explosion of new ideas and different changes in the affiliate community. There are people using these 10, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 1, 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 3 p.m. time zones to do new things. Because guess what? People aren't commuting to work as much anymore. So their behaviors and their habits have changed, and we're seeing more people incorporate different class times. People are still continuing to do Zoom courses, and they're looking at that and saying, wow, like there's a whole cohort of people and individuals that's willing to work out this way. And there's also a cohort of individuals that really likes working out outside. I think that it's forcing box owners to think outside of the box, you know, mm-hmm. not literally, yeah. well, sometimes literally, but also figuratively. Yeah. And seeing and recognizing the potential to utilize 
and maximize their square footage, everything that they have in their gym. How do you put that to work for yourself? What services do you, do you use? And so we're seeing different times, times being utilized. We're seeing Zoom courses still resuming. We're seeing uh, different kinds of workout meetups. So people going into the park specifically for a park-based workout, even though they also have other, other workouts going on inside of the gym. It's saying, look, there's pockets of individuals that feel more comfortable doing that. I think the ones that continue to be innovative with that and pivot quickly and communicate that with their gyms are going to uh, gym members and 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 listen to their gym members and get feedback from them are going to be the ones that move forward much much stronger when we move out of this because they're not going to be financially they're going to keep keep churning they're going to be able to mm -hmm. keep making rent and payments and and some of them even are able to grow you know that they're finding that this is actually turning into growth some of the california based gyms cuz we don't have the weather restrictions everybody else does kind of kind of in a really lucky spot since we can work out outside all the time. And and it, gyms aren't even closed everywhere in, in California because mm -hmm. it's county by county. So super interesting. We're definitely going to going to check Emily Beers on on the morning chalk up and, and and the rest of content you guys put up but but Emily as you mentioned definitely worth a look. Um, CrossFit journal by the way. She worked worked for CrossFit for 7 years. Amazing. Yeah, I mean I did you know we all started at the, at the CrossFit journal and you know we we did quite a few things from I still remember when when the guys we I used to work out sort of show up at the box and they say no we're doing dot com today I didn't know it I didn't have a clue what that was I just thought it was a, sort of some sort of programming but just a, a couple last questions about the CrossFit Games because of course you know it's been a it's been a crazy year and we've seen a a very different format you know how do you think everything turned up in the end I mean I mean what, yeah the, the, new, the new format what what did you think I think it turned out really well I mean uh look i think the programming was really dynamic and exciting it was interesting i mean the top two obviously ran away with the comp you know against the competition and they can they you know they, they there was just br brief bright spots where you thought somebody might win an event you know and, and and that's that's you know as a spectator of the sport for a long time you know you obviously want to see a good competition mm -hmm. but all that aside because that has nothing to do with what the games put on um, and, and executed. I think they did a good job executing. The live stream was good. The commentators were good. They brought back the old team, you know, to execute on commentary, et cetera. Um, you know, we got it back on television, which is a good step forward, and that's positive. Uh, you know, there were 400, almost 400,000 people viewing it on the TV station alone, which is which is Whoa. a different audience that's, that's trying to get it more towards the, um, you know, general population and, and non-crossfitting population. So that was great. It's a great, really good benefit. Um, I, I thought the games was good. I, I was entertained by it. I, I, I hope, selfishly hope, that <laughs> the games rethinks its format. Yep. Um, I, I, you know, I know some stuff about next next season, and um, you know, we'll see if tell it us. Plays out. Oh, okay. I'll we'll do the last question. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know if it'll be conducive to paring it down, but I like the shorter. I don't like forty athletes. I think forty is too many. Um, you know, you know. The I mean, the bottom twenty are there. You know, the don't the bot. What is the bottom? 20? Yeah, the bottom twenty don't even get paid. Yeah. They're, no, they're just there for the they're I mean they're not there for the experience in the sense that that's just why they showed up they showed up to compete and to yeah. win and to do better than they did but they ended up in 40th or 35th or, or 30, 30th or whatever it's like that's cool and it's great that they got that experience totally fine but they don't even get paid out so you're almost like you know they're 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 there losing just money. just losing money and I'm like nah you know uh, look 20 20 makes a lot of sense to me 20 is an easier field to manage 
it's more cost effective to manage. When you're talking about the expense of putting on the games and the millions and millions of dollars that they spend executing on it, it's like you, you don't really need to run something from eight in the morning till eight at night, you know, 12 hours corralling and going in and out. Kind of honestly, I saw the five and I was like, five's kind of. I saw 10 last year and I was like, okay, that was like 10. And it feels a little naked because some of the people we thought that should have been there weren't there. I think if you're at 20, you're like right on the mark. I think you've got some people that are like 15, 16, 17 that are going to come up and they're going to steal a show or a couple workouts. And they got a chance to maybe hit 11th or 10th, you know, over the course of the weekend because, you know, they were able to pick up and shore up some performances there. I think from a span fan spectatorship, you know, we should treat this a little bit more like, like the Olympics. And, mm-hmm. and cut the field down a, a little bit steeper. I mm-hmm. I hadn't really considered it, but after seeing ten and then seeing five, and I was like five. I was like five's too short, but ten wasn't a, wasn't too bad. What about fifteen? I was like fifteen doesn't quite work. It's like twenty. All right, twenty might not be too bad. You know, I could see twenty working pretty good. So I mm-hmm. I don't think they will, but I think it would be cool to do that. I think it might actually help relieve the costs of 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 the event overall and i think it might help elevate some of the other divisions if they're going to keep doing the divisions of the games um and uh you know you can when there's like 12 hours of crossfit you can only pay attention to so much so like us as an organization like we can't even cover age groups during the games because like we're completely tapped we're working 18 hour days and we can't even keep up with individuals. So like, I'm also like, hey, you know, it would help us cover some of the other divisions too if we pared it down a little bit. So, I I actually I loved I loved it. I mean, I love everything about the sport and everything's exciting. I find everything exciting. But the fact that this year every heat was the final heat, it was just very rewarding yeah. as 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 a fan. He's like, yeah, fuck, it's exciting. Every bit of it is exciting. So well, I, and I. You know, imagine, imagine, you know, you, you don't have to do five person heats, but you could do two 10 person heats. And, yeah. and so what we talked about was what you can do when you take less people, you know, the options open up significantly. Like you yeah. can't do the swim event with the intervals or this would be not impossible, but now you're going to have 10 lanes. I'm sure there's a pool with 10 lanes in it. I don't know. I'm not a swimmer. I don't go to a pool very often. I'm not a professional grade pool, not an Olympic swimming pool. Maybe there are 10 lanes. Maybe there's only eight lanes in the pool. So now you're eight, 16, 24, and then the last one is six. So, okay, so now you have five heats. You're like, yeah. eight, eight, no, so you have four heats. You have four heats. So, you know, just like, okay, it's a little bit odd, and you're like, okay, that's a limitation because four heats, that means it's eight heats for men and women, and then teams, if we're going to do that, how many heats is that? I don't even know. So it becomes really complicated. Imagine if you only had 10 people, 10 men, 10 women, you know, now all of a sudden you're like, ah, we're not worried about that. That's that's not a big deal. Or the sandbag sprint. You couldn't do the sandbag sprint. You'd have five heats of five every single, you'd be, you'd be doing this for two hours. You'd just be doing sandbag sprints the whole time. And you're like, nobody wants to watch two hours of sandbag sprints. Nobody does. If you pare it down, it makes it more entertaining for the end consumer. Right. I think, I I think you just make it better. I agree. I agree. Last two questions. One is the up is the obvious one. What do you know about next the next season and the next um, edition of the, of the games? Yeah, um, I think right now what we're hearing is uh, number one. I mean, they've been having conversations with sanctions organizers and the game staff for the last 
several months. Like this isn't something that's that's that they started this process way back when Rosa um, when Rosa came on board and started thinking about next season. They've mm-hmm. obviously moved the the open, which by the implications of that means you're gonna have this shorter official games time period where you can have a second step. It's not gonna be regionals. Sanctionals are gonna be our sanctionals are here to stay. So there's still gonna be sanctionals that are gonna be in this intermediary step. We don't know the dates yet. And sanctionals don't know the dates yet either, to be honest. Um, and uh, um, it looks like no longer direct qualifications from the open. That's what we're that we refer from multiple people that that's gonna be the case Whoa. is not not qualifying direct from the open. We're gonna go back to a to a step-by-step process. And that's good for them because the story of the season was extremely complicated. I consider myself to be pretty knowledgeable on how people qualify. And even we got it wrong because we're like, no, there's this caveat over here. And that, you know, changes this six competitions ago. And you're like, oh, I guess you're right, you know. Um, but what it – so – so I'm glad if that if that's how it ends up playing out, nothing's finalized yet, but if that's how it plays out, I think that's going to be very good because now it tells a cohesive story. But what we are hearing is that they'll be qualifying speci- directly and specifically to sanctionals as the intermediary step and taking that and qualifying to the games. So we don't know how many sanctionals there's going to be next season, and we don't know what the qualification requirements or the details around that are, but it looks like a three-step process, open, sanctionals, and then the games, and we don't know the numbers on on any of it. Exciting, very exciting. Uh, I I love I love the sound of that. Um, um, last question. I mean, um, we're very close to we know the the date of the dates of the open, and we're very close to unveiling where. But we do know the dates of the final of the of this year's Freakish Challenge, and it's going to be yeah. the beginning the beginning of February. You were here for for last year's final. Actually, it's it's it feels like last century's final because it was pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, but it was this February. What did what did you think about the competition, the format, and how maybe is there a different way of uh, experiencing and living the sport here in Southern Europe? Well, first of all, we wrote this. So the two years ago when we, when I went uh, by myself, you know, I wrote this was just like this. What you have to take a look at here is there's a couple things. Which is, this is where the CrossFit Games needs to learn something, or maybe other competitions needs to learn something. This event was built to serve two things simultaneously and doesn't very well. Number one, to get to get fans involved. That is number one. It serves that purpose immediately. And the second thing is built for entertainment. Entertainment. Not every comp every competition, most every competition that's out there is built to service the athletes and the competitors competing on the floor, not the fans in the stands, not the people watching on live stream. And you have an eight-hour-long competition some throwdown here with a $2,000 prize purse. People aren't really tuning into the live stream unless they know somebody who's competing there. They probably know them personally. And so that's why they only have 2,000 people watching the live stream. Now, why do you guys have a couple hundred thousand people watching the live stream? Because you built an event that's meant to entertain people. It's not, it's not neglecting what's going on on the competition floor, but it's involving the crowd and exciting them in a way that allows them to be entertained. You look at a UFC fight and you're like, you don't watch UFC for eight hours. Mm-hmm. of people you've never heard of before, like of, you know, competitors, you might watch eight hours of title fights over the course of the day. You wouldn't do that regularly. So when I look at your guys event, I'm like, guys, like this is entertaining. It's short enough to be consumed. This, the, the method for completion is understood ahead of time and the, the user can follow that. 
the, the, the consumer can follow it. So I, I love what you guys are doing for that very reason, because you are fundamentally building something that can move beyond the competition floor. If a, if a competition event is built mm -hmm. just for the competitors, it can only grow as many competitors as you can accommodate on the floor. It doesn't put people in the stands, you know, and you involve the biggest names in the sport. And that's, and that's really, that's really the kicker. Uh, is doing that. Now, I can tell you the one thing I would love to see more of, and I know the fans would love to see more of, is those pros actually doing real throwdowns, like to doing some stuff that could get people excited, you know, one versus one or two versus two, you know, even a, like a two versus two or a men versus women in a team competition or even mixing it up and doing some pairs. I think that would be super exciting and fun because they just, people, you know, they just, they're never going to get a chance to be that close to the action. They're so close. I mean, you're literally like 35 feet away from Matt Frazier or Sarah Sigma's daughter, you know, at your worst seat, 50 feet away, you know, and mm -hmm. you're right there and you're getting to see it. It's just live, exciting environment. And man, uh, but that's the one thing I would do. I'd be like, hey guys, you're going to have to sweat this year. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not going to be in the CrossFit games, but you're going to have to sweat this year. And sorry. But the fans are going to love it. And you're going to love it too. And they, I mean, they would go wild. So the last two years, yeah. you know, we, the first year they worked out a little bit more than I was there. Last year they worked out a little bit less. And I was like, yeah. let's make them sweat. They're not doing yeah. anything this week. Come on, you know. Yeah, and, I, and, I'm t and I'm telling you, every year they come and they, they, and they want to do it. They're really excited. And, you know, they're always willing to, 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 to have a good time. Yeah, Set yeah. Let's let you know. Oh. They're all heavier right now. They're nonsense. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get them to do it at, at some point. But you know. But thank you so much for them. Yeah. For the kind words. Thank you so much for the enthusiasm for what, for what you guys do with the morning chalk up and 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 you know it's 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 something that it's great for the sport. And I'm I know you'll be doing much better stuff in the future. So we're sending you tons of energy so. from from Barcelona. I'll talk to I'll talk to John and and Flores right away. And uh, yeah. thank you so much as well for the for the conversation. It's been it's been a pleasure. Amazing. Been awesome spending time with you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Justin. Take care.